You are now listening to Creator Corner. Welcome to Creator Corner. We're your hosts. I'm Mary. And I'm Dahlia. And today we're super excited to have our very own, another Berkeley alum actually, Victor Sandifer, who is the CEO and creative director of Run the World Clothing. Welcome, Vic. Thank you all for having me. Thank you all for having me. I am excited and I'm humbled <laughs> and appreciative that you all would think of little old me to, to get on you all's big old <laughs> podcast. So thank you all. <laughs> and we were just chatting about this, Vic, um, but it's a big throwback for us to, to have you in our space today. Um, for those that don't know, Vic was actually Mary and I's first RA when we, we got to Berkeley. Um, so we, we go way back 10 years ago. Shout out Bridgie Love. Yes, yes. yes. <laughs> but typically we like to get started, Vic, by just doing some quick icebreakers to get us settled into our conversation today. So we'll, we'll kick those off. Um, and so the first question we have for you is if you could collaborate with another artist on a clothing line, who would that be? Oh, that's a good question. Um, who would I actually want to collab with? An artist. <laughs> um, okay, so for artists, if you're saying an artist, I would select, I have a good friend. Uh, their name is mm. Lowkey List, and I, I would love to do a collaboration with them um, when uh, time permits it. I think that would be dope just because we kind of have been uh, growing up in this together and watching each other grow. Mm -hmm. So to be able to get to a level where we can do something together and, you know, uh, support ourselves uh, working with each other, I think that's going to be a dope thing. You know, and from experience, the synergy when you're working with another, you know, good friend is, you know, just, it's beautiful. So I'm sure it will be a wonderful collaboration when that happens. Exactly. Awesome. Well, we had another question for you. And you know, we, we know you're a clothing designer, but if you could be another type of artist, you know, what type of artist would you be? So here's my thing. If if I would trade almost <laughs> anything, any other talent that I've ever had, anything I was ever good at to be able to sing, if I could trade anything to be able to sing, that is exactly what I would do. I would just be a singer. Like I, I love and appreciate and am <laughs> amazed and am amazed by uh, people's ability to use their voices in a way. So yeah, I would definitely be a singer. That's awesome, Vic. I mean, I'm, I think you're pretty close enough. If I remember, you play the piano and other musical instruments. I think you're close. Yeah, so yeah, <laughs> yeah, I definitely play uh, piano, but to be able to couple that with singing, oh my gosh, I'm to the moon, just taking off. <laughs> <laughs> That's awesome. Well, thank you for yeah, just answering those quick icebreaker questions. Um, I think when we talk to artists, we're always so intrigued about their initial inspiration, their, those initial memories of you know creating art. Um, so, in your fondest memories, what were your kind of first initial again memories of you creating art or identifying as an artist? To be honest, like I probably. Um didn't feel comfortable considering myself an artist maybe t until like 2017. Um, mm. I, I grew up playing sports, so I just thought I was going to the NBA. Like that was my whole goal. Like growing up, I'm going to the league. 
I'm playing basketball and you don't do anything else but uh, plan A. So I just thought plan B distracts you from plan A. So that's all I'm going to do is focus on basketball. And I don't think I really took the time to uh, think about what I was good at outside of playing sports. And I don't think I actually really started to think about it till college. And I didn't feel comfortable calling, mm. considering myself an artist until um, probably like 2017. Yeah, that's, that's a very interesting point, Vic, because, you know, Mary and I always talk about our own personal journey as well as creatives and, you know, our own ideas going up and defining creativity um, almost in a very, in a box. <laughs> and as we've talked with other folks, you know, in the podcast here, we've learned there's just so many different mediums of creativity. Mm-hmm. And so we are really curious to just hear a little bit more about, you know, when we're talking about Run the World Clothing, you know, some of the inspiration behind getting that line started and, you know, fully embracing that creative journey. Yeah, so so what I will say is, as I was thinking about it, the first time I, I, I started to I can pinpoint the time where I started to understand and realize how happy I was creating anything. Mm-hmm. And that started when I was in college. Mm-hmm. So I, I joined a fraternity in college. So I'm a part of Alpha Phi Fraternity Incorporated. And uh, I remember us trying to create the name for one of our programs. And I was mm-hmm. so mm-hmm. excited and I was so engaged with trying to come up with the name for this program. And it was <laughs> at that moment, I was like, oh my gosh, I really love this process of like creating and like not knowing like just zero ideal nothingness and then creating something out of nothing like that really got me and that was like the initial um inspiration for me wanting to create so i'll say that um and when it comes to run the world um i guess the way in which i started with run the world was um that's a long story so i'm gonna try to make it a long story short (laughs) So in college, and you all kind of saw this a little bit, um, and I was graduating when you all were coming in, but when I, when I was at Cal, I wore a suit to school every day. So you imagine Berkeley is a pretty liberal school. Everybody's like just dressed in whatever and they're wearing um, like sweatpants and stuff to school. And I'm the mm-hmm. one coming in with a full like suit and tie with a briefcase and everything like going to my classes um and so I just fell in love with style like I always had this thing for style so outside of me going to school um in my free time I was like reading GQ magazines I was googling people that I liked how they dressed and I was like getting inspiration from that so that's all I would do outside of school now fast forward when I'm graduating and I'm uh the summer bridge uh RA I was also TAing one of the class with uh, my mentor, Kwame. So uh, he asked me one day, he was like, yo, without thinking about it, what's something that you're good at? And I knew I wanted to say something in fashion because I was reflecting on all the other things. He said, don't think about it, but I was definitely computing all this in my head before I told him. (laughs) And so I was like, man, but I know I want to do something like really big. I want to change the world, right? I'm like, I want to change the world. I want to go back to school, get my PhD and and really change like minds. I'm really big on education. And Mm -hmm. reluctantly, I said, "Mm, maybe something in style or fashion. He was like, yeah. He was like, honestly, because I told him I wanted to be a professor. He was like, I don't really see you doing that. (laughs) I see you doing something much bigger, right? And so I was like, all right, well, I'm, I'm going to do something in fashion. I'm, I'm really good at styling, so that's the thing that I'm good at. He was like, yes, I think you can do something like that. So that was the start 
of me kind of think about mm. using apparel or using fashion as a way. And I had different journeys on. There was a lot of different journeys that got me to actually create the clothes. Um, so I, again, that's a, this is a short, a long story, uh, made a little bit less long. Uh, so I started off initially. The concept and the name Run the World came from um, a friend of mine who had a, who was a, a graphic designer. He told me he did graphic design. I was like, oh yeah, I'm trying to start like this fashion blog. I need a logo. And I was like, just use my initials. So he came back to me a little while later with all these different drawings. One of them was my initials, which is a V and an S. The V was right here like this turned upside down and the S was turned to the side. And then he put a globe on the top of the head and it looked like a running a running man. And that's how I looked at that logo. I was like, this is the one I want to use. And all of a sudden, <clears throat> the name Run the World came to me. I was like, oh, Run the World. I'm going to name the blog Run the World. And the motto behind it is going to be, let the world be your runway. Wherever you go, you should always want to dress your best and feel your best like that. It just started coming up. That is awesome. And that's how I started the Run the World like name. And then later on, it blossomed into a clothing line. So it started off as a blog, a fashion blog. Then it went into me actually doing like styling for other people. And that's a whole nother story how I got into the styling. So I'm gonna try to tell that one in a very short way, but I think it's really important and cool to hear the story. Um, So um, a friend of mine had said, hey, you should get on Instagram. This is like 2012, right? Like you should get on Instagram. I'm like, hmm, I think I have one of those. I think I signed up for one of those a while (laughs) back. So I go on there and I type in some stuff and you guess it, I actually had an Instagram. So I already had like maybe 300 <laughs> followers already. And I'm like, oh snap, I got 300 followers, we lit. So I started like every day getting dressed and taking pictures and being on Instagram. Like that's how I started, right? That's awesome. One day I wasn't, yeah. I hadn't posted a picture, but I started getting all these likes and follows. Um, earlier that day, uh, my girlfriend from middle school had hit me. She said, hey, she said, hey, can I use your uh, picture for MCM? And I'm like, I don't know what MCM is, what? but I don't want to sound like uncool or not in the know. So I was it's, like, mm. yeah. I was like, yeah, just you make sure. MCM I was like, type it back. I was like, yeah, just make sure it's not a bad picture. That's what I said. So I didn't know what it was. So anyway, fast forward, I started getting all these like uh, follows wow. and all these likes and this engagement. I'm like, I didn't post on today. What is that? So come to find out, her cousin, who was one of my really good childhood friends, who had just got to the NBA. Had saw had saw her post my picture, and then he reposted me on his page, and then I started getting all these likes wow. and follows. So I got back in contact with him, and then he sent me a, uh, a screenshot of a conversation he was having with someone, and the, someone was asking him about me. She was a stylist who had worked with him when he first got to the NBA, and she actually was asking about wow. me. So. I started like doing styling with her. Like I was like kind of her apprentice and I was styling, like doing ghost styling for clients that she had had. So I had, that was my second thing. And then it spawned later on to me creating Run the World, the clothing line. That's amazing, Vic. I mean, nowhere near a professor, but shit, right. styling <laughs> for, you know, MBA and, you know, having apprentices and styling. I think that's pretty fucking awesome yeah. outside of being your professor route. Right. Um, yeah, and it also sounds like it almost like happened very organically, even when you were sharing that story um, with your mentor around wanting to change the world. Sounds like, you know, already in the back of your mind, you were already thinking about the concept behind Run the World and, you know, the the impact that you wanted your, your brand to have 
for for those that ever came across it. So, you know, very organic there, the way things started. And it sounds like you were really being pushed to to that styling um, fashion industry, um, even as early as as 2012. Yeah. And so like, so when we talk about this concept of me wanting to run the world and break, make an impact on the world. So when I was sitting there trying to think about creating a clothing line and what it was going to be about, I had read this book called Tribes by this uh, mm-hmm. author named Seth Godin. And what he argues is you only need 2,000 uh, true fans or true followers in order to start a movement. And what he also argues is that everybody is a part of different tribes and are seeking to be a part mm-hmm. of tribes. So everybody's looking to be led by somebody in some kind of way. And so that made me start thinking about what was the idea that I wanted to, um, uh, I guess, uh, galvanize my audience or my community, my tribe mm-hmm. around. And so I'm thinking about, I'm like, I know this name Run the World is still powerful, right? I want to use this name Run the World, but how am I going to kind of spend it? And I need a new logo because the one that doesn't really look good, the one I had didn't necessarily look good on clothes. So I started doing like some some brainstorming and I decided to use Sankofa. So Sankofa is an Indinkra symbol from Ghana, which represents the idea of look back uh, and fetching it, which really mm-hmm. translates to, it's not taboo to go back and fetch what you left behind. So I designed the logo, which was a um, Sankofa is a bird that's looking for, that's standing forward, but looking back. And I put in the side of his stomach, the globe. So the ideal for run the world was to look back, give back what your passion. And so whatever it is, run the world for me just means giving back whatever you love to do. So if everybody did just a little bit and used their passion to give back just a little bit, then nobody had to do a lot and we all could like be a, in a better position. So that was like the concept. And so for me, Education was my thing, right? So I decided to use Mm -hmm, my clothing mm -hmm. as a way to educate, empower, and inspire, and particularly around Black history, Black culture, Black radical thought, with the ideals to um, use that as a way for uh, Black folks and allies to be able to celebrate the Black experience. And so that's how we kind of developed into that. And I've since, like, changed the level to something different and stuff like that, but that was how, that's like the inspiration behind Run the World and the full circle around wanting to, like, really impact and change the world in some kind of way. Yeah, no, I mean, that's that's so beautiful, Vic. I think to your point, um, in terms of tribe, what, you know, spun out to me is definitely like community and everyone is looking for that community or tribe to really, you know, follow something that they believe in, where there's value alignment, whether it's they believe in the product or they believe in the meaning behind the product, like what you're developing with Wonder World. I think that definitely hones in until like the again the, the concept of people are going to look for the community and their tribe exactly yeah and you talked a little bit about this but you know the really the focus on elevating black culture and the black community is very important and critical to to the mission behind run the world and so we we would like to hear a little bit more about that you know why was it so important for you as you were developing this concept to ensure that it was focused on you know really elevating the black community in your clothing art so I, I attribute um, some of my views on the world and that desire to want to, to uplift and what I just think really just about the liberation of black folks, right? The reason why I wanted to do that was because when I was in high school, I read the autobiography of Malcolm X and it changed my life, mm-hmm. right? And so it was just mm-hmm. this information and hearing a perspective that I hadn't heard before. And here was someone who 
who had been long gone since before I was born, right? 40, 50 years since I was born, right? And they were still having an impact on my life. And so uh, mm-hmm. reading that book, I thought initially for me wanting to go to the NBA was because I love playing basketball, but it wasn't because I love playing, playing basketball. It was really because I wanted, I believed that if I played basketball, I would be able to make a lot of money and I would have a lot of influence and I would be able to impact my community. So I didn't really want to play basketball because I loved the game, which I, I like playing, but I didn't really love it in the way that people that are in the NBA do. So I really was doing it because I wanted to make a lot of money. And I, when I realized that, oh, I could actually impact my community without ever bouncing a ball, basketball <laughs> wasn't as important to me anymore. And so um, I think for me, I have the, one of my favorite quotes come from an, an, uh, an educator by the name of Carter G. Woodson. He says, if you can control the way a person thinks, then you can control their actions. And for me, mm-hmm. I think the thing that keeps people down is not having information. Um, I'm not really the most religious person, but Bible does says like, um, my people perish for their lack of knowledge, right? And so I think one of the things during black folks were being enslaved in America, like you, you were killed if you tried to learn how to read. So there was other things that you could kind of just get whooped and then you can go back. You can be pretty bad, but but like trying to get an education, trying to learn information was one that they were taking you out. And I don't think that was by by coincidence. And so for me, I wanted to figure out a way to share information. I thought my community needed information and I didn't think they needed it. Um, and I think that the traditional education system wasn't doing that. And so I wanted to find a different way to do it. And I thought that using culture, using art was an impactful way to, to you know, change people's mindset or to bring information to people. Because you can't make anybody do anything, but you can give mm-hmm. them information. And hopefully by having the information, they start to make some kind of change. And so I made that my mission to figure out ways to share information with folks. And I think that doing it through art was important to me, doing it through apparel, which is something everybody has to wear. Everybody has to, uh, you know, put something on. And so people are going to see you in whatever it is all the time. And they may have questions. Y'all may have a dialogue around whatever that shirt may say. Mm -hmm. No, definitely. I think, yeah, that resonates a lot with even just like the fucked up American history of how, you know, books were taken away from people to control people and control groups. So I think that really resonates with what you're trying to achieve and just distribute knowledge in a way that's maybe it's not conventional you know through through your art through your fashion and you know there's a lot of layers to that because i agree i mean the educational system we have here is not conducive to people's creative learning styles so Mm -hmm. definitely agree with with you there in terms of just distributing that knowledge in a different form where people are able to receive it the way they want to receive information um just to dive a little bit closer to like one of your um products at in Wonderworld clothing can you walk us through through like the inspiration for creating the black is beautiful um clothing line and why it is in your i believe in your words um why it's radical to truly express black joy in your clothing line Uh yeah so um i came up with this collection during the pandemic and i think that Mm. at the time and i was reflecting on collections I did before I think a lot of the topics that I were was tackling was like really heavy right so the collection before that excuse me the collection before that I was talking about like gentrification and I was you know (laughs) I was 
the mm-hmm. great migration and the crack epidemic like these were topics that I were touching which were kind of heavy and I thought coming out of like the pandemic I thought it was important to do something that was really happy really vibrant really like fun and um my parents were a little older when they had me so they their time like growing up was the 70s so for them like their 20s they're like my time in my 20s and their time in their 20s was the seven it was the 70s for them mm-hmm. right and so i would always hear them talk about how like dope the 70s was 70s was how fun <laughs> it was how much like life they they felt and were living at that time and so i always wanted to pay like tribute to that so when i was thinking about a collection I was thinking about the 70s, but I was like, hmm, how am I going to spend this or how am I going to use this? And I started doing research on the 70s. And 70s, the 70s was the first time in which Black folks actually in America particularly wanted to identify as Black. So before the 70s, uh, Black folks had identified as, as Negro or colored, right? These were the different ways in which people had identified. So it was the 70s, late 60s, the 70s, and through the 70s is which when Black folks wanted to um, actually identify as black. And the reason why they were doing that was because coming out of the civil rights movement, they were kind of fed up with what was happening. And it was like, man, we're just going to be unapologetically ourselves. And so that's when you start getting black folks wearing like these big afos. You start seeing people connect back to their roots in Af- on the continent of Africa. And you see dashikis and, and just all this like pride in blackness. You get James Brown say it loud on Black and Our Proud. You get the Black Panthers. You get Black Power. You get all this thing, all this upliftment, all this positivity on on, on what it was to be black and the love of wanting to be black during this time because they kind of were fed. The kids or the young folks at that time was just fed up with like what they saw happen to their leaders that were trying to assimilate at that time during the uh, civil rights movement. And so I wanted to pay homage to that. And so I wanted to create a collection around it, and so I named it Black is Beautiful, and Black is an acronym for Black Liberation and Cultural Knowledge. So the ideal is that, you know, learning, like, the knowledge of Black folks, the, I'm learning, like, culturally, that's important. The beauty, just the physical, like, beauty, like, being told, like, you know how beauty standards are, so, like, having people actually mm-hmm. be able to say and think, like, Black is Beautiful, or, um, um, Black pride and stuff like that was something that was really important for me. So the collection's inspired by the 70s and uh, it did really well or has done really well. And I'm, I've been kind of sticking to it a little bit more just because I think it's a, a beautiful concept. Yeah, what, you know, what I love about that story, Vic, is that it very nicely aligns to your logo about, you know, looking at the past and bringing that to the present and sharing that in a different medium in a different art form um so the inspiration coming back from the 70s and you know some of that empowerment around the you know black joy the black community reclaiming you know the word identifying as black and you know in that process how you're you're able to just bring that forward in your clothing line so that's that's a really incredible story and you know something that you mentioned as well in that story was how you essentially were pivoting during the the pandemic and you know during that shutdown period in 2020 it's actually you know a trend that we've noticed with a lot of creators where in 2020 the creators went through a lot of changes you know they had to adjust to digital platforms and find different ways to connect with their audience 
In terms of that specific time period, you know, can you talk us through some of the changes that happened with Run the World and how you also had to pivot during that time? Uh, so I, I would say like initially, um, it was like I couldn't really send things off to people, right? But I still wanted to keep like Run mm-hmm. the World in people's uh, like brain. So what mm-hmm. I would do is I would do these like forums. And I would host these like digital forums mm. where we would come and talk about different topics together as a collective. And I thought that was like really fun and, and awesome. really helped. So like I said, I'm always about the education and sharing information. It's really for me, it's about knowledge, right? So I, during the pandemic, like really leaned into thinking about and talking about like having a way for us to like disseminate information amongst one another in a way that was still like a little bit non-traditional but giving people the opportunity like i just wanted to make information and knowledge more uh, democratic and not you had to go to mm-hmm. a you know elite institution or pay exorbitant amounts right. of money or go in debt in order to learn information i just think it's important to share it and hear it and listen and everybody learns in different ways like some people read some people are auditory some people are visual yep. but give an opportunity for people to hear information that they may not have heard that i wish i would have heard before i was in college before I, you know so that was, that was one of the pivots that I made. And then lastly, I would just say, I ended up changing the logo. So Sankofa was an indinker symbol. Mm-hmm. And it's something that's, though I had like a, maybe a, a different interpretation of it, it was still something that, that had been used and not really necessarily unique for me, right? So I didn't, I wanted to find my own logo. And so I created uh, this, my new logo, which is this bulb. And actually his name is W.E.B. the bulb. And to uh, play off of the educator W.E.B. Du Bois. And so he represents mm-hmm. information. He represents knowledge and sharing of knowledge. And so that's like the new Run the World logo, which I'm really proud of and really excited for. And you'll see a lot more of him on uh, on more of our products. But yeah, that, that, that's our actual official logo now. But that came through during the uh, pandemic. That's awesome, Vic. And I think speaking of just logos and the actual design and colors of underworld i mean if when you go to your website it's just automatically so vibrant the colors and how you know it's very intentional like the logos the evolution of the logo as you've shared with us can you just dive a little bit more about the creativity and your creative process and intentionally choosing like the colors for your design the logo and the fine details of everything that's like incorporated in Wonder World clothing because it's just so vibrant. <laughs> so that collection really like set off the vibrancy. I think in the 70s, like if you look back, I had to do a lot of research, right? But if you look back at the 70s, a lot of vibrant colors were being used and there was a lot of old, oldness during the 70s. So I wanted to cap- I wanted to uh, capture that moment in my clothes. So I started going with some like neutral colors, like browns, but also mm-hmm. using like oranges and yellows and like mm-hmm. blues, like these brighter tones, a little bit muted, but these brighter tones to kind of, you know, share like this, this vibrancy that people talk about when they, when you think of, when you hear people talk about the seventies, like it was a time where people really, really, really was enjoying themselves. You got the disco, you got, you got yeah, it's a lot of stuff that was just happening during the 70s and I just wanted to figure out my way to be able to capture that and um so I did that and then I was just like look like literally I attribute some of this to like my my education right at Cal because it's a research one institution so you learn how to research at Cal that's what you're gonna <laughs> learn you're gonna learn how that's to right. research and so I literally used that information or used those skills that I learned in school and I was reading books I was 
doing all this research, trying to figure out what were some symbols that were being used during the 70s or the um, the late 60s. And I used that to create a collection. So I used the flower, which at that time was like, um, they talk about like flower power, right? It was like the late 60s when they were kind of um, against like the war, right? I think it was the Vietnam War at that time. And everyone was against that. So it was like peace, not war. And so that was a symbol that was used. So I wanted to take that flower and for me, it represented talk about um, black is beautiful the flower represents the beauty of blackness and then i had the other um, logo or or signifier that we're using which was a thunderbolt and the thunderbolt was about the liberation of black folks and then lastly which was the bulb wb the bulb uh it represented uh the knowledge and cultural knowledge and so i used those uh symbols as a way to further hone in on that ideal of like uh, Black is Beautiful and, and Homage to the 70s. So that's just a little bit of like my process, like reading mm-hmm. books, like doing as much research as I can on whatever the theme is for my collections. And from there, I come up with color palettes and stuff like that to use. Yeah, it's so, so amazing to hear about just how your educational background, but your you know, your previous experience as an educator has also played a role into your your clothing line. So the really just the intersection that you've been speaking about here around knowledge and the knowledge is power, um, but then also the impact that art can have in being in itself a statement. And so, you know, really, really wonderful to just hear about some of the historical context behind some of the symbols and images that you're utilizing in the clothing line. Um, But something I think that's very interesting that you also mentioned um, is, you know, the aspect of community in terms of, you know, we talked about elevating the Black community and making sure that this clothing line is providing a bridge for conversation, for learning. Um, and, you know, you, you you brought forth this idea of a forum as well. So I want to hear a little bit about, you know, how community um, has played a role in building your brand and in creating bridges for, for learning and connecting with others, um, specifically around the Black experience. Yeah, so... Um... I think for me, community is everything. So I, um, you know, for me, I have a tattoo. And one of the tattoos I have actually is a St. Kofa. And around it, it says, I am because we are. And there's like this this mm-hmm. proverb that goes with that or, like that or saying that says, I am because we are, we are, therefore I am. And so I'm only who I am because of you all. And that is a very indigenous way of thinking. But I grew up with that mindset of like community. I, I always saw community like, whether it was like people in my neighborhood, I knew everybody in my neighborhood growing up and I could go to people's houses and get something. But also as I was growing up, people around me could tell like on different, around the community could tell me something that I had to listen because they were my elders and they, you know, it was just a communal yeah. place. And so because of that, I've always been about my people, always in, in, in yes, black people as well, but just as a, all oppressed people around the world is really my focus, right? It's really about how do we how do we liberate um, all oppressed people around the world, and that's really really my 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 biggest thing. And I think it just comes from um, seeing how unfair the world can be, and how these systems um, are put in place to keep most people down and a couple of people up. And sometimes those people mm-hmm. just happen to be white, but. <laughs> I mean, I mean, they created. This, I'm, yeah, I'm, I'm being facetious when I say that, but you know what I mean. So, I know, I know. so 
my ideal is how do we figure out ways to liberate people because community is important man like what is it to have, I think I was listening to Kevin Hart talk about this but it was like what is it to have a lot of money if, if your people around you don't have that same amount of money and I'm not, I don't think money is the indicator of success for me but I just think that concept of like wanting people around you to be just as good because they are a reflection of you and I think yeah. we live in a world or a society that says pull yourself up by a bootstrap you just work hard by yourself and you make it all on your own and that's never the case nobody's ever made it just on them all on their own self and I don't know why we teach that and so I think for me it's, it's just important in a way for me to use my platform in order to build community they say last thing I'll say is like they say if you want to go fast go alone if you want to go far go together so for me I want to make sure that I can go together with my people yeah what comes to mind when you're speaking about community um, is the saying that I, I also really um, really live by and it's in Lakesh which is um, like an indigenous saying that specifically translates so in Spanish is tu eres mi otro yo um, si me hago daño a ti te hago daño a mi so it's like if I hurt you I hurt myself you are my other me yeah. um, essentially that translation so in hearing you speak that's that's what's coming to mind um, so you know just very very beautiful to hear about how intentional you are for for building community especially to your point around you know capitalism and colonialism in the way that it's very individualistic and essentially community being part of almost like a way to to work to push against these systems that are trying to separate us and you know instead come together in space to learn um, from each other and through this through this medium of art which you know in our conversations have been focused around clothing and the statement that clothing can make in terms of you know, making sure that we are building community and we are connecting with others just in, in conversations that we can have based on what we're, we're wearing. So very, very beautiful to hear that, Vic. Yeah, and I think, Vic, I mean, you've dropped a lot of definitely golden nuggets and at least, yeah, like a lot of learning for me as well. Um, but in terms of other folks who are probably wanting to start their own fashion brand with more specifically, a, a more purpose and mission-driven fashion brand. What kind of advice would you have for those people to kind of just get started in a way? Because um, I think one reoccurring theme we've heard from previous creators is that the starting point was one of the difficult parts of their journey. So we'd love to hear more about kind of your thoughts around and advice on, on that. Um, so I would say that I think if I would give any advice, one, it's a different, so it's a little bit of a different time from when I started to now. And I only say that because there is just so much information just out there. Like every day, if you are interested in clothing line and you show that's your interest on Instagram, you're going to get so many ads that say, hey, yes. this is how you. This is how I started my clothing line with only $5. Yeah. And I'm not saying that like all of them are correct or ever, but some of the information that they're going to give you is going to be accurate in so I would say, and I, cause I, I would initially always tell people like research. So how I did it was mm-hmm. I would talk mm-hmm. to people that I knew had clothing lines. So I just called people that I knew. And this was at that time, literally I was like Googling books, found books and bought them at Barnes and Noble. So you don't have to necessarily do that today, <laughs> but whatever way you need to research and get a grasp of what you're trying to embark upon, like you need to be as equipped with as much information as possible and then just start. 
like for me, starting wasn't that hard. I think keeping it going yeah. and persevering through the ups and the downs is the more difficult part mm-hmm. for me, right? The challenging part for me is like the the learning curves and the 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 bump your head but get up and keep going and and not being discouraged. That's more the, the challenges that I faced. The starting mm-hmm. was relatively more easy because when you start in something, you're a lot more ignorant to what whatever the realisms of like what this entails, right? You just so filled with like the energy of like, yo, I can get this done. Like I'm super excited about that. You need to harness that as much as you can in the beginning because the world has a way of of showing, like trying to challenge you and seeing Mm -hmm. if it's what you really want. So I would say, Mm -hmm. things I would say is like, if that is your desire, do as much research as you can to get as much information, but don't let trying to get the information hinder you from just starting because it's never going to be perfect. So just start. And it's mm-hmm. going to change as you get. I just told you quickly how my stuff started from a fashion blog that evolved to styling, that evolved yeah. to making clothes, that changed from one logo to another logo to different ways. Like it did where it is right now is yeah. not where it was when I first initially started. So right. you got to know that it's going to change. The shit is going to change. So don't worry about it changing. Fail as much as you can, but keep getting up and keep doing it. So that would be my, my advice to folks that were trying to start clothing line. And when it comes to the the mission like that's like the not necessarily the easy part but like the hard part is done believe it or not a lot of people mm-hmm. like know how to start stuff but don't know how to tell the story or don't have a real story behind yeah. what they're yeah. doing if you already have like like that part together you're good mm-hmm. why do you say that I'm just curious uh, what, you, what you mean oh why do I say cause like, why do you say that's the easier part of starting something creative? Well, no, I think it's a hard part. But if you already if you want to do something meaningful okay. and you already gotcha. have like the ideal for like some, the meaningful thing that you want to do, you've already gotcha. did the most difficult part of this whole journey. Mm. Most people don't have meaning behind what they want to do. It's all focused around just wanting to make money. But if you already have a story <laughs> like you know, if you already have a story in your head yeah. that you're trying to tell, that is more that's worth a lot more than what a lot of people have that's key that's why you have investors right a lot of investors don't have ideals but they have the resources to help you to back your ideals so what i'm saying is if you have an ideal you already win it it's just about how do you mm-hmm. how do you articulate the ideal in a way or present the ideal in a way that folks will understand it understand you you know what i mean or will grasp toward yeah. it or gravitate toward it definitely yeah, and you know, even in, in hearing you speak, it sounds like, you know, getting started, being flexible, adjusting your vision as you're as you're learning is is critical to continuing to, you know, move forward in your creative process and you know actually get your your medium of art out there. Because um, to your point, you know, f- you know, failure is part of the process. I know Mary and I went through a couple of failures as well with this podcast, mm-hmm. and we adjusted. Mm-hmm. We, um, you know, we initially started as like crypto corner and now we're creator corner (laughs) so adjusting to you know to the idea was different as well but also to your point like the mission came pretty pretty naturally for us we we knew we wanted to chat with diverse creators we knew that that was important to our platform and in that in itself we didn't plan it so much It, it more so happened in terms of our, our network and our community and folks that we were connecting with. Um, so I, I really appreciate that advice. It definitely resonates with our own you know, personal creative story here. Um, so so love love that advice around adjusting, pivoting, and most importantly, just putting your art out there and being okay with, with having to make changes in the process. Yeah. Now, as, 
as we're wrapping up, would you know, would love to just understand, Vic, um, you know, what are some of your upcoming creative projects that you're excited about? Maybe any exciting collaborations or new collections <laughs> that we can expect? Um, so I, I, I'm working right now on some uh, some new pieces that I'm really excited about. I actually just got some samples the other day, and I'm really excited about those. So the summer is going to be just a lot more just making some new stuff and, and, you know, just keeping the ball rolling. This fall, though, I am looking to really, really, really get back into, like, the full swing of what Run the World is. So not only is it about, it is, is it about products, it's also about experiences. So I usually, when I put out a collection, have, like, a whole, like, event wrapped around it. So for that Black is Beautiful collection, I ended up, I did, like, this whole pop-up experience where I had, um, uh, rented out a space in Oakland and had like a pop-up for two days but we had like all kind of we had like a lot of visual like 70s inspired stuff in there for folks to take pictures on and That's pictures awesome. around but then we had like music we had um like an open mic like a karaoke open mic where we had people like singing and it was just a really fun experience so I want to do something similar to that this year um, but this one's going to be more educational. And I, I, I liken this one more to a mm. museum-esque type of experience. And it's going to be mm. multidisciplinary. And we're going to have uh, some technology in there, too, some tech. So we're going to be playing with, like, VR and AR. So I'm, I'm excited for mm. for that this fall. So be on the go for that during the fall. Is that going to be in Oakland, too? Uh, the goal <laughs> is to do it in Oakland and Atlanta. So I, I live in Atlanta, and I okay. have not done an actual like event in in Atlanta the whole time I've been here well I've done one but mm-hmm. not since like things have like picked up and elevated for me so people have been talking about yo we need you to do something in, in Atlanta yeah. so I'm definitely gonna do something in Atlanta but home is always home so I always get home so if I do something in Atlanta for sure I'm gonna do something in Oakland. <laughs> no, that's a tough, that's that's exciting to hear definitely the the tech piece <laughs> Um, and I guess just to wrap things up, we'd just like to ask these two final questions to um, our guests. The first being, um, in five words, describe your creative process. Intentional. Education. History. Uh, community communal community communal and i need one more right <laughs> and yeah just one more love mm, that's beautiful i love that i thought you're gonna use honestly your um was it your values oh, the yeah. ec3 oh, educa- <laughs> community culture oh i could have education those are great too that too exactly um and i guess <laughs> and where can we our audience and ourselves find you on social media yes so you can follow me personally at run the world vic and you can follow run the world at run the world clothing on most platforms we're run the world clothing run the world clothing on most platforms and run the world clothing um dot com is where you can go and check out some of our our stuff as well definitely 
Well, thank you so much for for being on the pod with us today. Like, you know, your five words were, you know, the perfect way to describe just our conversation today. So a nice little little bow to our um, <laughs> being present here, yeah. you know. So really, really appreciate your time, Vic. So so nice to have a little throwback as well from from our Cal yes, days. Thank you all for having me on here. I'm glad that y'all remember me, and I really appreciate it. And it's super dope to see you all, like a, like from these bridges to grown full-fledged adults like i really remember that you know in fifth floor we had we had it popping on the floor everybody wanted to come to the fifth floor too. like every like everyone everybody did. wanted to everyone <laughs> so thank y'all for yeah. making that experience yeah, for really sure. good for me because again like i think like this has all been my life's work right so even my intentionality with being a part of bridge again was like yo i started this is how i started cal and so i want to give back to this mm-hmm. before i'll get up out of here so like that was my whole mindset so thank y'all for making that such a dope experience like i really appreciate that uh, likewise like i mean yeah i don't think i, I could have had a better summer bridge experience if you weren't our ra so to be honest yeah. <laughs> so thank you really appreciate how, how can i forget girl. those like dr dr seuss yeah, <laughs> um name tags yes yes, yes. <laughs> it was great we well, appreciate your time and, and just energy, Vic, and space um, and sharing this with us. Really, really appreciate it. Thank you all so much. Thank you, Vic. Take, Take care. care. <laughs>